Now you're going to miss out on the G-Funk era. You don't know how things are going for RNG. I'm soon turned superstar. Star, star, star. 101070, that was my intro. Uh-huh. But now we're Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when we play jams from uh, a certain soundtrack. My man Patrick takes songs from a soundtrack, plays those selections for us for midweek movie music, and based on the songs, uh, we're supposed to gather clues and hints that lead us to the feature film of midweek movie music. And my man Harge got it, even though... Actually, you're supposed to get a little bit earlier. Yeah. Because Hard's one of your favorite films. Yes. Bad Boys. No doubt. Is the feature for midweek movie music. And they're making a Bad Boys 4. They are. Talked about that, too. That is indeed happening. Uh, shout out to my man CB who sent us uh, the... The announcement, I believe it was Will Smith and uh, and my man Martin Lawrence making the announcement. And, man, Martin La- is Martin Mar- Lawrence older than Will Smith? Do we know this? He's aging same age? older. He looks older. Yes. I was going to say that, and I was like, man. Yes. But I think maybe he's been through hard times. Remember, Martin Lawrence had a breakdown, like a lot of comedians end up having in their life at one time. I think it's just hard to try to be the funniest person on the planet all the time. It's really tough. Uh, and he had, he had a little bit of a breakdown at one time, too. So I think mm-hmm. that's when Martin started to look a little bit older. Remember, Will Smith, this is the first time he's been a villain. He's been vilified after the, the slap at the Oscars. So post-slap Will Smith. Oh, yeah. Um, keeping up with that. But uh, Bad Boys is your movie, the featured movie for midweek movie music. We'll get into NFL here. Lots of NFL discussion to get into and lots of NFL stories. So there are a ton of these. If we don't get to all of them, then I will finish up the rest of the stories that we don't get to in Raj Ram today. We'll continue uh, our discussion with NFL news, notes, and nuggets. You can be a part of the show on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. You also can hit us up via Twitter. Harge is at Hardball Harge in the Twitterverse. My man Patrick Davis at It's Patrick Davis. And I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. All right, let's start with... You know what? Let's start with this Lamar Jackson story, actually, because it broke right when we were about to come on air. And I heard Chad talk about it briefly uh, on Chad and Zay. Um, We'll get to you the latest in the Lamar Jackson story. So this comes from Pro Football Talk. And uh, it was Eric DaCosta, I'm assuming, uh, talking to members of the, uh, the Boston media, the general manager for the Baltimore Ravens. And he was asked about the draft and what their intentions are in the draft and and he whether they were going to think about drafting a quarterback now that Lamar Jackson has made it his intentions known and made it known that he would like the Baltimore Ravens to trade him, mm-hmm. if at all possible, mm-hmm. even though he does have the non-exclusive franchise tag on him. And you can't technically trade for him now, uh, but you'd also have to try to pay him the salary that he wants as well. But here's the quote from Pro Football Talk um, when asked about whether they would pursue a quarterback in, with their first-round pick. Eric DaCosta, general manager of the Ravens, said, quote, it depends on the board. It really does. Um, he said, I'd have to say yes because we have quarterbacks in our top 31. Mm. So just based on that alone, simple math, I would have to say yes, end quote. And by the way, that's, only, that's just smart as a general manager. You're a starting quarterback who you hope, you know, you can resolve the issue with has stated publicly via Twitter that he wants a trade. He's requested a trade and demanded a trade. And there's a difference. He's requested a trade. So maybe there's still some hope, but he wants out and you haven't been able to get this contract uh, done, this extension done in the last two years while you've had time with your MVP caliber quarterback. And I don't know now if there's any way to reconcile this. I don't know. At least might be at the irreparable state uh, when it comes to the relationship between Lamar Jackson and the Ravens front office. 
So, yeah, it makes perfect sense. It's common sense. You should draft the quarterback. I say teams should draft quarterbacks every year, every other year, but drafting them in the first round, that's a significant investment. But for the Ravens, it might be a necessary one. Just nope. as an insurance policy. Yeah, you have to do that because you, you start looking at their roster and who they have there, and you know everybody's going to say that Tyler Huntley was an all-star. Yeah, he was an all-pro because – I mean, not an all-pro. He was an, what, pro bowler because everybody dropped out. So they had to have a quarterback <laughs> that's there. I mean, yeah. you, you can't just sit there and say that this is your guy and he you look to him to lead your team. You got Anthony Brown, another guy that was not – he was a free agent, I believe, when they got him. So you definitely need to be drafting a quarterback, especially to Rod's point. This seems to be over. I didn't want to believe that it was going to be over. I thought that there could be some some uh, reconciliation on their, their uh, relationship, but it doesn't seem that way. And the disrespect of this situation has gone too far. And I understand he should have an agent. We all understand that, but he doesn't. At this time. So he needs to be treated fairly and be compensated like everybody else at this position. You just gave Daniel Jones $40 million. You're going to tell me that he is not better than Daniel Jones? I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And, and then now I'm seeing that uh, Jalen Hurts is supposed to be getting $50 million per season. They're working on a package for him for $50 million per season. I understand. You got to the Super Bowl. No, you know who loves that news? Joe Burrow. And, Joey B's yes. got to be like, yes. Yeah, exactly. 50 million, please. Come on. <laughs> run, it, run me my money. Right. <laughs> He's like, run it up, baby. Yeah. Him and Justin Herbert, they yes. got to be like, yes, please run it up. Right. Because I'm better than that guy, or I'm just as good as that guy. Thank you. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, no, you're right. I, I agree with everything you said, except uh, so one thing I'll, I'll – I'll disagree with you on because I think you made a lot of uh, valid points, great points. Uh, you brought up fair. and uh, Yeah, that's right. I know where you're going with this. Fair's got nothing to do with it. <laughs> if you're teaching your kids that life is fair, you're doing them a disservice. It ain't fair. It ain't about what you deserve. Yeah, yeah. It's what you can negotiate, and that would help Which you have an agent to help you negotiate that. Right. So for Lamar Jackson, I agree with everything you said about that, but it ain't necessarily about what you deserve. It's what you can negotiate. And right now, he's losing that negotiation. Yeah. It's fair. It's, it's fair to say. And, yeah. and also, I, I could believe that the Ravens, when he said he would negotiate, thought they could slip past him all the BS jar of guarantees where they go well this is virtually guaranteed and this is uh, mostly guaranteed and this is 90% or this is something so guaranteed and he looked at it and went so if I get hurt game two of next season my they rip my leg off my body I make 30 million dollars right that's how much I make and they go yeah go so you're not I'm not guaranteed at all you just try and they go okay we'll renegotiate all right you got now 120 million dollars guaranteed it's no 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 I want you to because the way you're calling the plays you yep. call the plays you're putting me in this position and like the thing with Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones gets hurt, he makes a fraction of what that contract is. Yep. And Jalen Hurts, that's what it's going to come to sticking point. If they can get him for fifty million dollars a year, and the last two years of it are not guaranteed really at all, then he'll sign. Then they'll sign that every day of the week. Yep. It's all about that guarantee down the stretch. And he wants from what his reports to versus is basically four years fully guaranteed. And then the fifth year is a bit more of an option. But he wants full, four years fully guaranteed. And the Ravens have never once even pretended that they're going to give close to that. Yeah. Like I said, it, it seems to me at one point the Ravens went from trying to negotiate a deal to playing hardball 
to Thank straight you. up lowballing yes. to now actively sabotaging yeah. the right. whole damn thing. It, I think they, ding, start, ding, they started off. Ding. I, I think they wanted to yes. negotiate it for initially, and then, like Hart said, it went left real quick because he was representing himself. So what yeah. was said in that, and you know, at that at that bo- at that table in that boardroom, yeah. whatever it was. It just it went left quickly. Yeah. Like we we haven't seen something go this left with <laughs> yeah. a contract negotiation with a quarterback in a really long time. And then I think the Ravens started thinking, all right, let's play some hardball. Let's try. Which I think they did really well. They yeah. did great, such such a great job that it seemed like they were lowballing them, which they were, based on the quarterback market and the precedent they've been set. And now I think it's gone so sour on both sides. We know that from Lamar's side anyway. That now they've gone from lowballing to actively sabotaging the whole damn thing. And it's possible they want out too. Yeah, possible that both sides want out of this damn thing. But the court of public opinion may hold the Ravens front office accountable and be like, "You let Lamar Jackson go." So now they have to make this seem like Lamar Jackson. Yeah, wanted out, and he and it does kind of seem like that now, but that he gave them no other choice. Well, he did say. I asked for a trade on March the 2nd. He gave you the timeline of when this yeah. started. He said, I asked for a trade. And that's when they were like, okay, we'll see if we can trade. We can't get anything for you. The reason I want to go back to something that we said, I think it was two weeks ago. I'm thinking the agents have something to do with this too. Well, that's something I said. Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. I said that I thought that, you know, because they, these agents don't want players representing themselves and of the, the prime position. I believe there was 17 players in the NFL at yep. the time that had represented themselves. None of them were quarterbacks. Quarterbacks represent themselves. That is big money. Yes. And agents now are probably a shadow figures working behind the scenes also working against Lamar Jackson. Yes. Because they don't want him to win on this deal because that makes agents look bad too. Um, and I, I think that's still, I think that's a, a real possibility. I think so too. And yeah. I, I and, and when you brought that up, I hadn't looked at that angle of it because I'm always looking at the management side of it and how they're trying to negotiate. But that that to me stuck a lot better because of the fact that how is this not done? Right? And and here's Harbaugh going to these meetings talking about, yeah, we've been operating really good. I don't think he's been at the meetings. No. I don't think he's been a part of it. And I wish he would have been because he would have been like, guys, this is my quarterback. I didn't come back here to to run a team that's not going to have a quarterback, our MVP quarterback that is going to help us get on a run here. Now you got me working with Tyler Huntley, and then you're going to tell me we're going to draft somebody now, possibly, that we're going to have to develop. Mm -hmm. I don't have that kind of time left. Yep. I'm with you. I, I don't think Lamar Jackson's gonna get the deal he wants. I think he may get out of Baltimore no. and he may go to another team, but I don't I don't think he's gonna be the one that gets this fully guaranteed deal. Even if he goes to the team, uh, this whole process here is about him um essentially moving away from the fully guaranteed deal. Yeah. He's gonna get a lot of guaranteed money. He may get the most guaranteed money ever, but that fully guaranteed deal, even the coach owner who said Jamarcus said, I got no problem with giving him all the, the, the money. I got no problem with the money. He said, I'll pay the money. Yep. I don't he said, I don't believe in fully guaranteed contracts. He was the first one to say the quiet part out loud. Yeah. He's the only and the, the owner's probably like, dude, don't say that. Don't don't, don't no, be no, saying no, that. No, 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 no,
Joe Burrow's the next one to start looking at. Yep. If Joe Burrow wants a fully guaranteed deal, he'd be the next one to try to get it, but he's got a really cheap billionaire owner. And cheap billionaires don't like to give fully guaranteed deals. So we know yep. Joe Burrow's got to go through two franchise tags at least. Yeah. Yep. Before, also true. Before they, before he even has a shot to play on the free mark, free agency market to get that fully guaranteed deal. So unless they want to do it in negotiation, so with him. he's a month younger, I think, than Lamar Jackson right now. He's still got what another year or two on his contract. Yeah. So we're talking about a 27, 28, 29 year old quarterback by the time he gets there, if he can get there healthy. And that's, I, I mean, I'm not sure that it's going to happen. Just because I think that the way it's set up with those franchise tags, they're just going to try and ruin him out. And they'll go, we would rather you break your leg and never play football again than us give you enough money or you go somewhere. And it's as terrible as that sounds, I think a lot of these franchises believe it because they'd rather play, they'd rather not you, you play not against them than play at all. They go, yeah. we don't want you to play against us. We're not going to pay you. So either you decide to play for us for the amount of money we want to pay you, or we'd rather you not play in the league. We don't care about you. And I think there are some good owners. I don't think the Bengals have one. No, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> they they do not. So, yes, yeah, only a few owners we know now that are even willing to even discuss it. To have those discussions. Yeah, yeah. about a, a, a guaranteed contract. And it does. it's only happened twice. Kirk Cousins did it and Deshaun Watson. And, yeah, Lamar Jackson, it doesn't look like he's going to get that deal that he wants. And then after that, Joe Burrow's the next, but he's got a cheap owner. And then after that, I, right now, I don't, I don't see anybody after that who would demand it. Who would, yeah. who, the, the market, I should say, would put their value in that. Now, if Patrick Mahomes, in his next negotiation, wants to do it, he can do it. Yeah. He can do it. Now, if he wants to do it, he can do it. Yeah. But I don't even think he's going to do it. I don't think he. I don't think he won't. He operates that way either. He wants a big contract, but not necessarily one that's uh, fully guaranteed. And, and for everybody, historical precedence. And for everybody in the tech side that's saying that Baltimore does, that they realize that he's not worth it, then trade him. If you think you can win without him, then trade him. But they don't. They they know they need him because their offense is not very good, and they don't want to spend any money on it, and they just want to have him. I I'm with you. If they if they think that they don't need him. Good, trade him. Get as many draft picks as you can, as many other players, and try and go win without him. That's fine. But don't don't play the woe is me franchise that we, we're trying to be fair with them and then not being fair. Not even close. Well, and to be to you know bring it up. No Eric, fairness. Uh Eric yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh Eric DaCosta and the Ravens, they have had some issues with multiple players now in negotiations. Mm-hmm. Um and most and guys have hinted that, you know. They don't like the way the Ravens do business, and this obviously is the most polarizing of it. But truth is, the Ravens they they were they were cheap when it came to Lamar Jackson, and right now I'm not saying they're being cheap about the fully guaranteed deal. I get that fully guaranteed deal; that's a lot. But when Lamar Jackson was playing at an MVP level Thank and was you. the biggest uh, mult- force multiplier in all of the NFL. Um, they spent the fewest salary cap dollars on offense in the four years under his rookie deal. Second fewest salary cap dollars spent at the wide receiver position um, during his four years on his rookie deal. So, so he outperformed that rookie deal then, Rod, right? They got, they got no, yeah, exactly. But they stole that time from him. They, they got nobody to blame but themselves. Exactly. They're in this situation. Yeah. I, I told, they, they basically should have. Be forward thinking. And you see it, and you say, all right, this is our guy. He's going to be here. We need to go ahead and lock him up now like some of these other th- Remember we were talking about this, and I know baseball is totally different because they are a, a, a totally different place, mm-hmm. but the Atlanta Braves. 
the Atlanta Braves locked up a lot of their young players early. And so there you're getting them at the top of their earning potential. Yeah. And you're putting them in the right spot and they're happy to stay there. You're doing this, and now all the free agents, everybody keeps saying nobody, no free agent wanted to come and play with Lamar. That's not true. They weren't playing, they weren't gonna pay for those type of players. Well, I will say there were at least two wide receivers that took less money to go with their other teams, and the reports were the Ravens offered them more money and they took less to go elsewhere. But they saw that offense. Um, so yeah, there were multiple reports that players did take yeah. less money to go to, to stay to go or stay with their old team or go elsewhere and not go to the Ravens. Uh, but that still the point being the Ravens were cheap in terms of what they did on offense. All right, other quarterback news around the NFL. This Mac Jones story is interesting. So it is very interesting. Okay, according to sources, uh Bill Belichick shopped Mac Jones to multiple teams during the twenty twenty three offseason. Uh, the full list of potential destinations isn't known. The teams mentioned as potential destinations were the Raiders, Texans, Bucks, and the Commanders. Um, it also points out that the Raiders are the ones, you know, obviously because they were looking at Jimmy G and they kind of ended um, that situation. But all these former Patriot uh, coaches and assistants make sense with Josh McDaniels, makes sense with Nick Casario in Houston. Um, so I think some of these Mac Jones rumors probably have uh, some some they probably have some substance to them. And how about this? It also says complicating the situation. Um, Robert Kraft is a big fan of Mac Jones. Uh, he said that he said I'm a big fan of Mac. He came to us as a rookie quarterback uh, in his rookie season, and he did a very fine job. I thought. And now the latest report is that Bill Belichick, the reason that he was shopping Mac Jones, because he was upset that Mac Jones was reportedly reaching out to Alabama coaches <laughs> and seeking counsel about the Patriots coaching instability. Remember the the yep, yep. the the offensive coordinator situation for the Patriots, the offensive coordinator situation, um, or the quarterback a quarterback uh, coach situation for them was weird. They had Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, former defensive and special teams coaches, who ended up taking on that role. And then some people say even Bill Belichick had you know he was contributing to some of the play calling. It was just weird and strange, um, and it was a failed experiment, no question. Now Bill O'Brien is the offensive coordinator there, um, Chris Sim explained on Pro Football Talk Live, Jones actually started calling members of the Alabama coaching staff in order to get some information as to how to properly run the offense under longtime defensive coach Matt Patricia. Quote from Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston, that really pissed Bill off um, to the point where he started thinking about shopping. Mm. Mac Jones. All right. right. What are your thoughts, gentlemen? Because that maybe that puts them in the Lamar... Jackson conversation or back uh-huh. in. Uh-huh. They've been trying. Hey, they were, hey, they were looking at it. Meek, Meek, Meek Mill it. tried yeah, to make it happen. On it. Come on, Meek Mill hit up Robert Crave and said, hey, Lamar Jackson's interested. I'm telling Maybe. you right now, if I'm Mac Jones, I am calling Alabama. I'm talking. Bill O'Brien's probably the one who snitched on him <laughs> because Bill was at, yeah, at right. Alabama. And you he was that's how he right. found out about it because <laughs> dude was trying. You had him working out with Joe Judge and, and Matt Patricia. Crazy. I would have been making phone calls to everybody. I would have called Drew Bledsoe, Steve Grogan, <laughs> anybody that played for the Patriots that could have helped me out. In the Patrick's point, you look at Hoyer. Hoyer's out of there, and he's been the most loyal 
to Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. This has been an, an awful experiment, and and Bill he messed he messed this one up from the jump. When you don't have a quarterback, I mean, an offensive coordinator to work with your young quarterback. This isn't somebody that has been around the league for a long time that knows how to adjust. Mm-hmm. This isn't Aaron Rodgers. This isn't Tom Brady who who pretty much run everything. This is Mac Jones. Who? Somebody that you decided you wanted to go and get. And then you put this young player in a position to where he's listening to a a special teams coach and a defensive coordinator. I I really couldn't fit. I love me some Belichick. You guys right. know that, but right. that was that was a dang coaching mistake. Awful. That was coaching does, malpractice. Does, is what it was. Does, and and I'll, I'll throw this out there real quick though too. And you start looking at Bill. And Bill Belichick didn't admit publicly that he made a mistake, but he did hire Bill O'Brien. So essentially, I think he is admitting that he That's screwed that up. That's the way he tips up. his cap to you. That is how he does it. <laughs> but remember, uh, why I always say Bill Belichick coaching tree sucks because Bill Belichick is a very secretive, mm-hmm. clandestine guy. He does not tell anybody, even his coaches. Matt, remember Matt Patricia and Joe Judge during the offseason? They didn't, they know. didn't know either. Yep, yep. And people are asking him, "Hey, do you know what your coach is like?" Man, we don't know. We don't. It's just like the CIA. The people who are working as agents, they have no idea why they're carrying out the tasks they're carrying out. They're just told, hey, follow these damn orders. That's it. That's how Bill Belichick operates. He operates in a very clandestine fashion. Still to this day, we have no idea why Malcolm Butler didn't start in the Super Bowl. Still to this day. Even Malcolm Butler don't know. Tom Brady was asked about it two years ago and said, I have no idea. They're looking around still at each other. Matt Patricia was asked about it recently. He said, I still don't know. Nobody knows. And this is a guy, Belichick, that walks around, and I'm not making this up. This This is real. He walks around with a physical playbook. Of plays that he has, uh, you know, siphoned and that he has gathered and collected over the years. Just kind of amorphous playbook. This is the same guy that essentially was the architect of Spygate. Mm-hmm. And we know now it was way more intricate than they let up. So the point is, his coaching tree sucks because he doesn't share information. He's not one of those guys that likes to communicate. Bill Parcells coaching tree, Andy Reid coaching tree, Bill Walsh coaching tree. Those guys wrote books. They were public speakers. They are very outgoing, very communicative guys. And their coaching tree is much better because you get to gather information from them. You don't gather information from Bill Belichick. He doesn't share with anybody. Yep. So getting back to that, that's also come back to bite him again. It hurts his coaching tree, but also it hurt him this time, too, because that very secretive nature, he thought, and it oftentimes put his team at an advantage. Once again, it came back to bite him, and he was at a disadvantage. Sorry, go ahead. I was like, does this affect his uh, legacy even more now? We've known his legacy has gone down since Tom Brady left and was able to win without him, that they haven't looked like the same team even remotely since the Tom Brady left. Does this affect his legacy even more that you can sit and go, well, Bill Belichick, he ain't this genius. He just got lucky and had Tom Brady. And he's a good defensive coach, really good defensive coach. But as a head coach, is he really a great head coach? Coaching tree. Coaching tree is usually one of those, that where one you of those data points that. where yeah. you go, all right, if he's a great coach, he's got a great coaching tree. Well, I just told you coaching tree sucks, and we <laughs> all know that. And I just told you why. So I, right now, you're right. It is a nev- another negative hit on his legacy as an all-time I mean, great coach. We know Josh McDaniels, the only thing he learned how to do from was Spygate. Because he got right. caught again. Because he got caught again. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Like, it's pretty obvious that they don't learn Jack from Bill Belichick as a coach. Now, is that because he doesn't share or is it because he's not that great of a coach? No. I mean, like, look like, at I, I, I am now consi- reconsidering it. I know he's a damn good coach, but he's an all-time great coach. I mean, how many how many current NFL head coaches are on the Mike Shanahan coaching tree? Oh, oh there's goodness. a ton. Yeah. People would say Mike Shanahan's not even close to Bill Belichick yeah. and the tree, but you're like, 
He's won two Super Bowls. He's done all this. He did it without. The coaching without- is prolific right yeah. now. Andy Reid, same thing. Andy yeah. Reid's coaching is prolific. Yeah, and you look at those guys and go, man, their coaching trees are huge, and, and they got Super Bowl wins, and they got – I don't know. I get that he had so many, but how many of those are we giving to Tom at this point, and how many do we go, well, defense is really good. You're probably the best defensive coordinator who's ever a head coach. Wow. Yeah. But you are not a head coach. And to your like, po- you're not that guy. You're just not that guy without Tom Brady. And to your point, Patrick, now he's in a tough situation where he's in a bit of a conundrum because legacy-wise, if he retires now, it's like, see, he knew that he, without Brady yeah. that he was being exposed for just being a fraud. And if he continues to say, all right, you know what, I got to I gotta rebuild my legacy a little bit. I got to prove to people you know, one more great Super Bowl run that I can do it without Brady. And he continues continues to just regress and continues to hurt his legacy, then even further proves the point that you just brought yeah. up that, you know what, Belichick was, he was a bit of a fraud. It was That was Brady the whole time. It, look, I'll it tell you, Brady. And, and as much as I'm the A number one hate Bill O'Brien fan club member, Bill O'Brien's the best coach probably to come off his coaching tree. NFL-wise, yes. NFL-wise. Mm-hmm. So if you add him back into this Patriots offense and they still can't figure it out, that that's where it starts to get real bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because you're adding in a guy who can be an offensive coordinator and do a good job at it. That's a good point. I know that's a – I think Belichick is going to double down. I think he's going to double down. He's oh, got, of he's, course yeah, he is. Yeah, because he's got to – now the narrative has shifted so dramatically. Yeah. He's got he's to pump it back up that, hey, Belichick can do it without him. And that's that maybe, maybe that desperation is just what Lamar Jackson needs. No. You need a desperate Belichick willing to revive his legacy – and Resette is like, he's like, you know what? I got one shot at this guy. I got like two or three years before, before Robert Kraft figures out, man, this guy's a fraud. Get him out of here. He doesn't <laughs> know how to pick coaches anymore. Right. Lamar Jackson can make you look real smart as a coach. Well, I'm not looking at Lamar. I just think that he's going to get a guy to play the game. You know what What's that, coach? What's that? Yeah, I'll just say <laughs> <laughs> that, That's dead on. Hey, Meek, and Meek Mill likes it, and Robert Kraft is a big human. Meek Mill of BFFs, and yeah. Meek Mill and Lamar Jackson are close. I'm just saying. I hope it happens. Uh, all right, we got uh, some more uh, quarterback news. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, what, what the hell is up with Aaron Rodgers to the Jets? Come on, man. Why is it crickets? What's going on? All right, oh, we did gotta, you hear about the Florio report? Okay, now we got to get into the oh. Florida report on the other side. And there's a random conspiracy theory about another team that could get into Aaron Rodgers' sweepstakes if the Jets are dragging their feet. We'll talk about that. Should the Cowboys trade for Cedric Wilson? We'll discuss that. And also Bryce Young, apparently the football IQ through the roof. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, 1049 The Horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Bro, oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to uh, Ball Don't Lie and Rod's rant of the day. Uh, a couple of stories I want to get to here. Cedric Wilson first. Talk about the Cowboys because uh, the Cedric Wilson story I think it's really interesting. And then we'll get to the Bryce Young story. And if we got time, we we'll get to Aaron Rodgers. A lot of NFL story. If not, uh, then we'll just table it and we'll get to that coming up uh, next segment or at the top of the six o'clock. So the uh, Miami Dolphins reportedly they are willing to talk to teams about. Tr- a trade for Cedric Wilson, the wide receiver, who was once a Dallas Cowboy. You were a big Cedric Wilson fan, hard to remember yep, you were on yep. that bandwagon early. Uh, I remember my man KD was a big Cedric Wilson fan. He's just twitchy. He was just twitchy. Yep. Um, and 
Apparently, he was so twitchy. He had a really good season for the Cowboys in 2021. Ended up having 45 receptions, 602 yards, six touchdowns, only four starts. That ended up uh, earning him a contract, three years, $22.8 million contract with Miami. But strangely enough, he disappeared there. He just – I'm surprised yep. he didn't fit in because you thought all the speedy wide receivers, Cedric Wilson, would have been great there as a third, and they thought so too because they paid him like a, a third wide receiver. Um, but he, he he was their backup. He was kind of their backup kickoff returner and punt returner. Um, but only in 2022, only had 18 targets in all of 2022. Yep. yep. Uh, 12 receptions, 136 yards. They didn't use him. And the reports are they may be willing to get rid of him if the price is right. Now, they're not going to cut him because he's going to count $8 million uh, against their salary cap. And I think if they cut him, he still counts like $7 million against their salary cap. So they need to trade him in order to try to get him off the books and make him somebody else's problem and not their dead money. And the Cowboys do have 13 to $16 million in cap space right now. And this is prior to the June 1st uh, Zeke cut. Well, they're going to get another $10.9 million mm-hmm. on the books. They can't afford it. So the question becomes, gentlemen, if you're the Cowboys, it, would you rather have a Cedric Wilson on kind of a one-year rental deal? Because you'll probably cut him in 2024. He's going to cost you uh, in salary. He probably will end up costing you close to, I don't know, 9 to $10 million, nine, something like the $9 to $10 million for a wide receiver these days. That's not that you know, it, that's not really a high cost, I would say, right. for wide receivers. Um, so $10.9 million, I believe, is what you'll end up saving on a Zeke thing. So just a Zeke cut alone can end up paying for a one-year rental of Cedric Wilson. Look, you messed up in the very beginning. You got rid of him. Well, you didn't want to pay him any money. You didn't want to pay him. I you get didn't it. want to pay him. I get that. But you also didn't want to pay Amari Cooper. This was one of Dak's favorite wide receivers. Oh, loved him. He was clutch he all was the time. He down. was that number three mm-hmm. that the Cowboys were looking for. They were truly looking for a number two. But Dalton Schultz kind of felt, filled that role. So you would have had another wide receiver that could come in and do that. And I guarantee you he's more sure-handed than Noah Brown. Yeah. I could tell you that. And – I you you, you got to eat some crow if you're going to make that signing. And does he does he give you a discount? Because he wasn't productive. So if you're mm-hmm. going to trade, what do you trade? Like a seventh-round pick? That's a good point. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, you can play that right. You can play it that way. Um, yeah, this is the question. So would you rather have uh, Cedric Wilson or would you rather go into the draft and try to get a wide out in the draft? In terms of a wider helping you right away, maybe you'll find that guy in the draft or maybe you won't. I guess the chances are higher that Cedric Wilson makes more of an immediate impact. So for the Cowboys, in terms of value, what's better value? One-year rental of a Cedric uh, Wilson or finding an immediate impact wide receiver to help you as your fourth wide receiver in the draft? Because we know now. You tried that last year. CD's the first. Brandon Cook's second. Gallup's third. We're looking for your fourth. You yeah. tried. You tried that yep. last year. You tried that in the off season where mm-hmm. you thought James Washington was going to be your guy in your free agency. Then you drafted Jalen Tober, who wasn't mature enough That's yet fair. as a you wide tried. receiver. You did make that run, and you can still draft someone late. But I would definitely go after Cedric Wilson. See, I, I I'm a big fan of Cedric Wilson. You though. are. I was. I, I know you are. I, I, I much more. You'd be looking on the tight. If I'm going to make a trade, I'm looking way more at tight end. Unless you get a tight end who can play for you right away, but you're already paying Brandon Cooks, you're paying Ceedee Lamb, you're paying Michael Gallup. You you don't need to pay four wide receivers. 
I get if one of them gets hurt, then it, when it gets hurt early and you need to get a third guy, he's great. But you can't pay you, – you can't take two of the wide receivers out of that draft class and that's you're already had a re-up on, and that's your third and fourth wide receiver, and you're paying them like a, a second – you're paying two guys like a second wide receiver, and they're your third and fourth? Yeah. Like that's – it's – you you need to tie it in more. Uh, hopefully we're away from this Kellen Moore. We're going to lose our number one guy to be a decoy so our number four guy can get open. Well, hopefully we'll get away from that offense now. And, and I don't I don't think you need the number four as much as Kellen Moore relied on a number four wide receiver. That was one of my problems with Kellen Moore always was he just went for the guy – he would go and go, oh, we were going to drop this whole play to scheme open the guy with the worst cornerback on him. <laughs> like, nope. No, man. Get get your guys you're paying. You have Brandon Cooks and CeeDee Lamb. Get those guys a ton of targets. Hopefully Michael Gallup comes back because also in a one-year rental, you need to find out if Michael Gallup gets it back or is he going at the end of this year. That is a big question. I and so up. I think you go ahead and you say, all right, let's see if Tol- Tolbert, if we get another year of him and an offseason with him, if he's got anything or if he's off and he's done. And we just missed on that pick completely. Or we can kind of put a couple other guys in there. But at the fourth wide receiver spot, I mean, you don't need to be stacked at wide receiver. There's What teams can you tell me that are that stacked at wide receiver that their number four is paid like a number two? It's not It's not a lot of teams that are going to be that stacked at wide receiver. I mean, the, the, it, the it, Super Bowl champs, that Cedric Wilson's the number one on the Super Bowl champs. Yeah, no. but they got Patrick Mahomes. I get that, <laughs> but you're saying we need four. No, no, I, I'm not. Four? I, no, I'm just throwing, bringing up. The, I'm just having the conversation. This is a thought experiment here. Um, but what I will say is that you have to make the determination. Like, and, and Harge, he 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 wants Cedric Wilson because he says, "Well, you're not going to find that guy, an impact player in the draft." And I don't disagree with that. I do think wide receiver is one of the deepest positions in football. I've been saying it for years. I believe it's probably the deepest position in football at any level, the highest levels, and Man, you can find a wide receiver, especially we're now talking about a fourth wide receiver. All right, so we're talking about here um, third or fourth wide receiver. Hopefully you're a fourth because you want Michael Gallup to come back um, stronger than ever. Um, yeah, I think I would be leaning go to the draft to get mm. your fourth wide receiver. Now, who's going to be your tight end? That's another question, too. And Todd McShay's got the Cowboys taking uh, Michael Mayer. The tight end from Notre Dame with the first, with the sorry, their first round pick. I don't necessarily agree with that because I think Me you neither. find tight ends, and this is a deep tight end draft, by the way. Yeah, I'm I not you, a fan. Yeah, of, you find of that. middle round, really good tight ends in the middle rounds. Go look at your Kittles. Uh, go look at your hell. Go look at Dalton Schultz. You can find good ones in the middle round. So I don't necessarily agree with taking a tight end that high. Uh, but I will say, if I'm a, if I'm the GM of the the Cowboys right now, I like where I am at wide receiver. Um, but I would draft the wide receiver in the draft, and I depending on the price tag that you can get for Cedric Wilson, maybe it's worth it because what you did get from the Texans, well, remember you got the Texans to pay a, a third of that salary for Brandon Cooks, and then you went cash over cap with the other part of it, and essentially now the Brandon Cooks salary for the Cowboys was six million dollars. Mm-hmm. So you went, yes, I'm saying you, so you can find a way to, to decrease that. That salary of Cedric Wilson, just yeah. like you did Brandon Cook's salary, you just got to convince the Dolphins in the negotiation, hey, I need you to pay a little bit of this. Can you pay a little bit Come of on, it? Come give me some Can of that. Can you pay 15% right? of it? Yeah. I'm going to knock off a little bit of it. I'm going to give him on cash over cap, give him another bit of that on the bonus, and then we're going to have our fourth wide receiver at $2 million or whatever. You already know Cowboy, Cowboy, Cowboy but he already did looked at it. He are, but he, he did exactly what he did with Brandon yeah, Cook. that's though. what I'm saying. So you, cowboy, you, really can, you can do the same thing with Cedric Wilson if you are truly going all in. And it, 
And there's a feel that the Cowboys are going with more of a, a all-in philosophy and aggressive philosophy this all season rather than the usual you know, the homegrown recipe, the most they are the most homegrown team in the NFL and building through the draft. I like wide receivers through the draft. Matter of fact, that little stat that I was looking at, I'm doing research for the NFL draft. There have been uh if you go look at it in the last uh since twenty seventeen. All right, since twenty seventeen, you look at rookie wide receivers with at least hundred plus targets, and there have been thirteen uh, rookie wide receivers with 100-plus targets since 2017, and 12 of them have been in the last three years. Mm. <laughs> so the rookie wide receivers are contributing at a higher level, quicker, uh, or at a, I would say, more frequency and earlier than ever before. So you get a rookie, a rookie wide receiver, I mean, there's a good chance you can throw them out there early. And because it's a pace and space league and because we don't have, oh, this is an NFL offense, this is a pro offense, this is a college offense, because now all of these offenses, they're, you know, they're, they're very much hybridized. We just have you know, football offenses now. There's very little, uh, to me, delineation between the NFL and the college game. It's not as much as there used to be. These wide receivers have come ready to be plug-and-play players uh, more so than they used to be back in the past. So if I was the Cowboys, if you can trade for Cedric Wilson and get shave off some of that salary, get them to take on some of the salary, and also you go cash over cap and try to reduce that figure, and I would still draft a wide receiver too, honestly. Yeah, why not? They, they still should probably draft one. And then You've you done had, a great job in the offseason. Yeah. Let's continue this momentum. Yeah, I, you know what? Yeah, so so if you can get it for the right price, go after Cedric Wilson. Why not? Be aggressive. Yeah, yeah. Go after him. I, I'd say, but you wait. I wait on that one. I wait on that one to see who follows me in the draft, see what I can figure out there, see if there's another better deal out there. You're good. Again, this this is a similar offense to what Kellen Moore run, but it's not the same offense. I, I just I, I would say let's go try and find somebody that could be for the future because I gotta figure out what I'm doing post Brandon Cooks. I gotta figure out what I'm doing post Michael Gallup. If he doesn't work you, out. You do both. You draft one, you gotta draft one too. And Cedric Wilson, you go, Well, we gotta cut you anyway because we're not paying you in a year. So And you're probably not playing Brandon Cooks in a year either. So you go at the draft wide yeah. receiver anyway. Yeah, that's why I, I'd say I'd rather to. I'd rather wait on Cedric Wilson another year and push Miami's hand to cut him and then be like, hey, come back back to where we were good and look at him more that way than than because I don't think they give him up for anything less than a fifth probably, and that's way too high to give up for him. The draft capital doesn't concern me. The salary concerns me a little yeah. bit more than the draft capital. Mm-hmm. I'd give up the draft capital. The salary would be my biggest issue, but if you can reduce the salary, and there are several ways you can do it. I don't think it's crazy, man. It would give you a significant advantage. And what's your biggest issue in the NFC? The really good defenses, uh, right? The, the Eagles got a good defense. The 49ers have stopped you lately with their good defense. Yep, yep. Why not get a high-powered offense? And you already have a top-five defense, and you still got to draft the wide receiver. There's no question. But I don't know. If, if you can get it for the right price, Cedric Wilson, that's, that's intriguing. It's really yep. intriguing because you you, there's no guarantee whoever you bring at a tight end is going to be a real threat this year. They're not going to be Dalton Schultz. Right. So where do those, where they those targets got go? What does what that, yeah, that target share go, though? Yeah. That, that target share has got to go somewhere, and you can divide that up between different guys. All right, uh, good discussion. We'll come back. Uh, we still haven't gotten to the Bryce Young uh, cognition test. We'll get into that on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie on 1049 The Horn. B-side, Check it. So, so deaf. Bad boy. Collaboration. Listen to the B-side. The notorious big in the house. Huh. We got the brat in the house. Listen to the B-side. And me, huh. 
All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie, right here on 104.9 The Horn, midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. I want to get to this sound really quickly uh, because it's Daniel Jeremiah, um, and he does, obviously, NFL draft anal- uh, analysis for NFL Network. Does a really good job. And he revealed that Bryce Young scored the highest score on their, uh, they have a cognition test that they make the players take. Not, I don't they make them take it, but they ask them to take it. Um, here is Daniel Jeremiah explaining uh, what the test is, the cognition test. I think it's called the C2 test, something like that, and how Bryce Young uh, scored the highest on this test. There's a thing, I don't know if you guys have read up on the, if you guys have read S2 test, have you guys done any work on this? So it's a it's a processing test that, that it are now being given to, especially quarterbacks. It's been in big in baseball. So it'll be like, you know, six shapes pop up and one's different. How quick can you identify the one that's different? It's how quick you can process information. Mm. If you think about for baseball, pitch recognition and all that stuff, like it's a very valuable tool and it's made its way over to the football the last five or six years. Josh Allen was off the charts on it. Mahomes mm. tested off the charts on it. Last year in the entire quarterback class, Brock Purdy had the highest number, had the mm. highest grade on that. This year it's Bryce Young. So processing information. Is this public in, info? No, but that but part is now. <laughs> All right, so not public info, but now it's public information. All right, does uh, that change your, I don't know, your your individual evaluation of Bryce Young knowing with this uh, this cognitive test where Brock Purdy, ironically, strangely scored the highest test last season, and he ended up being one of the big uh, highlight stories of the NFL last season as a rookie, as Mr. Irrelevant, um, that to me it just kind of li- it tracks with what we've said about Bryce Young, about him being a superior intellectual when it comes to his pregame, uh, pre- uh, pre-game preparation. He's that dude. I mean, that's what we've seen. That's what we thought about. That's what we've noticed on his anticipation. He reads the field well. He knows exactly what's going on at all times. He's got a spidey sense where he can mm-hmm. duck under uh, Watts coming off the backside and get out over there and put his team in a position. He always seems to avoid that big that big hit and make a good throw and throw into windows. So, no, this doesn't shock me or, or change anything. He's a Heisman Trophy winner who we thought was going to be the number one overall pick if the Texans had that pick and now – it's a question mark. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So there, that's the only reason why there's questions. But, no, this doesn't change the way I think about him because I thought he was a sharp dude anyway. Yeah. For, for the record, sorry, Patrick, go ahead. I would say it, I am curious now who, where the other guys score on it just to see the bigger gap. That, to me, is more interesting because you're like, oh, yeah, we got it. Bryce Young is supposed to be that guy. Yeah. But then you go, all right, well, where's Will Levis? Where's Anthony Richardson? Where's C.J. Stroud? Yep. Where's Hinton Hooker? Where do all those guys place on that? So then I go, who else is a guy that's like, are there comps on this? Can I see more? Uh, yeah. I'll do some research because yeah. I think there's a couple of articles about it. So I'll do some research. But here's a little nugget about it. So apparently the co-founder of the S2 Cognition test said the 2023 quarterback class, um, Allie uh, was her name. She said, uh, oh, sorry, Allie is a man. Allie said he couldn't divulge scores, but he did say the 2023 quarterback results were dramatically better than last year when only Purdy and one other quarterback scored above the 90, 90th percentile. He said, quote, we've been doing the NFL draft for seven years now from an S2 cognitive perspective. Last year was the worst year 
we've ever had <laughs> score-wise. And this year is by far and away the best year we've ever had score-wise at the quarterback position. Okay. So he's saying this class of quarterbacks has scored better than any other class of quarterbacks in the last seven years since they've been ministering, administering the S2 cognitive test. I like it. And did you ever take use a baseball test? Did you ever do this? We did take this. You did this crazy. Well, I mean, I'm something, sure it's something more. It is rudimentary for oh, us. Yeah. Like, you so damn old is what you're saying, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think I did mine on a typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> I know that if we was on a computer, it was on a DOS. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. That's a good point. All right. Anyway, my man they, Rod said you so damn old. No, the way you said it. I, basically, I was just remarking about the yeah. way you said it. You're like, oh, oh man, yeah. nah, yeah. back I'm, in my day, no. Nah. I don't think this was the same kind. Let's just say that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, we'll come back. One more hour left. We'll get into the uh, Masters preview. Mm-hmm. We'll talk Astros and Rangers, Ghost Rolls, and also uh, Texas baseball beating Air Force. We'll uh, chop it up with my man Hardball. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie. A wonderful night in the horn.